I've listened to Future Nostalgia by Dua Lipa for more than half a year. And I listened to it once yesterday. Welcome to Spin It. Hello and welcome back to Spin It, the podcast for people who would rather be listening to music. I'm James, with me is Connor, and this week we're talking about Future Nostalgia by Dua Lipa. Connor, say hi to the people. We sure are, and uh, we have a problem already. We already have a... How? How? It's been 43 seconds. How well, do we have a problem? Right. <laughs> well, okay, last week I started listening to the wrong version of the album, right? I had the extended cut. Yeah, the four-hour Nevermind, yeah. Yeah, so this time I even clarified with you that we were doing just the regular Future Nostalgia, not the, like, Moonlighted Edition or whatever it's called that has the extra songs. Right, yeah, I linked it on the document, the exact one. Uh-huh. I have a album, Future Nostalgia by Dua Lipa 2020, with 13 songs on it instead of 11. <laughs> oh, well, that's the special edition. That's definitely not the link in there. It doesn't say special edition anywhere. Oh, weird. I have them pulled up side by side. They're the exact same, except it has an extra version of Levitating that features the baby and a song called Fever. Right. I guess it's a little bit of a problem. So I did extra credit again. I'll have to figure <laughs> out a way to compensate that, I guess. At least you heard all the right songs. Like, you just heard extra. You got a, a little double dose of Dua Lipa. Double dose of Dua Lipa. That, that has a lot of nice sounding consonants. Let's just jump right into it. Let's talk about Dua Lipa. Do we just want to jump right into it? Yeah, sure. So far, to date, this is the most recent album that we've talked about. And it's the newest artist that we've talked about, too. Dua Lipa has only been active since 2014. She signed with Warner Brother Records. And she released her self-titled debut album in 2017. She was born in 1995, so she's only 25 years old. That's impressive. I know. 25. I'm going to be perfectly honest. You could have said the name Dua Lipa to me like two weeks ago, and I could not have told you who she was or what she did. Really? Not at all? I honestly didn't even know if this was a person or a band until you sent the link to the Spotify. <laughs> I didn't know anything about this uh, going into it. This was a complete mystery to me going into it. And I think it's kind of been the first. I mean, Walls by Kings of Leon. I'd at least heard the name Kings of Leon before. Mm-hmm. I'm fairly certain I'd never heard of Dua Lipa. Yeah, so this was totally coming out of the blue then. I didn't want to tell you too much about the album before you listened to it. I was tempted to like drop little hints and maybe like tell you what it was going to be like. I decided I would rather wait and get your genuine first reaction to it. One of the reasons that I guess you might not have heard of Dua Lipa, especially if you don't listen to a ton of pop radio, is that she's British. She's European. She was born in England. I knew that. Now. You know that now. Yeah, I was going to say, you couldn't have known that before. <laughs> I knew she was British, but I didn't know who she was. Right. That's the story I'm going with. Uh-huh. <laughs> she was born in England to Albanian parents, and that's the origin of her unique name and accent. Dua Lipa is her birth name. Yeah, yeah, I saw that too in my research. That's cool, because again, I pulled up the album, saw who it was, I saw her, I was like, oh, that's a fun name, and then I found out it was her real name, and I was like, that's really cool. Yep, she grew up in London, and her love of music stemmed from her dad dad because he was a guitarist in a band and he played all the classics bowie the police bob dylan radiohead the works a really wide range of music that she grew up around and listening to 
Yeah. And she herself started singing when she was only five years old. So she beats out Musgrave, right? Apparently. She was at the Olympics in middle school or whatever, but five? Impressive. It is. I know. Way back in the year 2000. (laughs) I feel like we've talked about how Casey Musgrave kind of really blew up between when I last listened to her and the one we did and how Kanye kind of took off after he got his first gig. Like We've done a lot of them recently who have really blown up in the industry, I feel like. Yeah, and Dua Lipa is no exception, although her rise has been significantly quicker given that she's only released two albums so far exponential yeah here's a statistic that totally blew me away again two albums released she's been nominated for a total of 255 awards of all kinds and she's won 89 of them so if you divvy that up proportionally she's getting nominated for like 127 awards per album which is wild that's a lot and you said that her first album was self-titled from 2017 right so this would be album number two yeah the sophomore album but this one i mean now has like at least i guess three versions right you got the original album and then you got whatever the weird version i found with extra songs and then you got the moonlight edition yeah she's been putting out music pretty consistently for a long time among a lot of other awards there are handful of standouts. She won an American Music Award in 2020 for Favorite Song in the Pop Rock Genre for Don't Start Now. She's won three ASCAP Pop Music Awards for the impact that her music was making on the genre in both 2017 and 2021. Her self-titled album was nominated for a BBC Award for Album of the Year in 2017. She's been nominated for seven Billboard Music Awards, including Top New Artist, Top Female Artist, and Top Radio Song which, again, was Don't Start Now. She's won five Brit Awards, including British Female Solo Artist twice, British Single of the Year for her song One Kiss with Calvin Harris, and Future Nostalgia took home top honors as the 2021 British Album of the Year. And, of course, she's got three Grammys, including Best Pop Vocal Album for Future Nostalgia. And here's a fun piece of trivia. She holds a Guinness World Record. I want you to try and guess which Guinness World Record belongs to Dua Lipa. The Dua Lipa Guinness World Record. It's a recent one, set in 2021. Uh, I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with llama lassoing. Okay. Llama lassoing. Now I'm going to need to, you know, prod further. How many llamas do you suppose she's lassoed? Uh, well, in my mind, the way it works is it works kind of like in like the rodeos with the bulls and stuff where they'll like lasso the cows or the horses or whatever. Right. And I would assume it's how many can you do in under a certain amount of time. And so I would say she's probably got at least what, let's see, to set a world record, at least two llamas, right? Well, okay, I gotta tell you, you are remarkably close. What? Just kidding. No, you're you're not you're not close at all. Okay. It has nothing to do with any of that. Okay, I didn't think it would. But that's why I was so confused. Well, I just had to get you back for last week. What I didn't do anything to you. Or for two weeks ago when you pulled the rug under me from Factor Spin. I was nice to you last week. I didn't pull the rug under you. The mixtaper pulled the rug under you. All right, all right. Well, the world record that Dua Lipa actually holds is the most tickets sold for a live streamed concert by a solo female artist. Oh, by a live stream concert. For a live stream concert, yeah. Future Nostalgia, like we'll talk about in a bit, it came out right at the start of the pandemic in late March 2020. Yeah. And so she started live streaming concerts to promote it. This particular concert that broke the record was called Studio 2054, and it sold 284,000 tickets. And that was in November of 2020. So just recently. Yeah. But she is a world record holder. Huh, that's cool. Yeah, and she might also hold the record for roping llamas. I don't know. 
So we've had two heavier albums back to back, and I figured we'd lighten things up this week with Future Nostalgia. If you haven't heard it yet, and you want to take a little time, go listen, go bob your head, go groove along. Go listen. You're showing your hand a little bit. I'm showing my hand a little bit. I can't help it. We say it every week to go listen to it if you haven't listened to it, but outside of Billy Joel, because Billy Joel holds a special candle in my heart, this is the time I've meant it the most. Go listen. What? Well, hold on. Billy Joel holds a special candle in your heart? What does that even mean? Isn't that an expression? There's an expression similar to that. Did I get it wrong? I probably got it wrong. What, like, holds a place in your heart? I've never... You can hold a candle to something. Holding a candle to something is, like, to challenge the validity of it, or, like, to prove that it's true. Okay, can't hold a candle to you is the phrase. I just made it in my heart instead of... That was pretty darn close, all right? (laughs) It was. The point is, the point is, while Billy Joel will still hold a special candle in all of our hearts, this sounds like a genuine endorsement for future nostalgia. It is. I went on a bit of a Dua Lipa binge Uh as best I could. I couldn't listen to the album more than once, so I had to fill that void other ways. I ended up listening to the album yesterday, like, pretty early in the evening. Yeah, you did, yeah. And so I had all last night and then all of today that I just wanted to listen to that album again but couldn't and so I listened to other things I listened to the songs that were on the Moonlighted edition I went back and listened to some of the songs on her first album I just read up about her I thoroughly enjoyed this album I'm saying it now go listen to it okay cool well see a side note that's another thing that I was really excited about for this podcast and I hope that everyone that listens is excited too this is a great chance to discover new music you know you might never have checked this out unless we were doing this episode so I absolutely wouldn't have. Yeah, the album was scheduled to come out in April of 2020, but the album release had to be pushed up by a week because the entire record leaked online. Really? Yeah, the whole thing. So to combat that, they decided to push the album release up because, you know, if something leaks online, that's really going to detract from your streams and your sales when you release it yourself. So they wanted to get out in front of it. She was actually really conflicted about releasing music in the pandemic because it just didn't seem like the right time. But she like did an Instagram live video where she talked about how she hoped that this music would bring levity to people's situations and kind of just help people to have a better time in light of the current world situation. Another interesting thing about this album is that she was already having ideas for it while she was still releasing her first album. Before it was even out, she was already coming up with ideas for future nostalgia, which is crazy. I mean, the woman doesn't stop. It's quite impressive. Now, everybody's favorite part of the show coming up. Connor, I'm going to have to ask you to leave. Uh Oh, well, you do it every week. Aren't you used to this? I don't I don't leave. I just listen. Oh, I just hand the mic over. I still listen. Jeez. Okay, well, <laughs> well you can hand the microphone on over to your alter ego, the mixtaper. Try to kick me off the podcast. Okay, well, all right. Well, you can listen in then. Just hand the mic over to your alter ego and let's get started on some truth and lie. It's me. I'm back. Did you miss me last week, audience? Probably not, but here I am. No, I didn't miss you one bit, actually. I'm back better than ever with my lies and truths all lined up, ready to go. Okay, well, line them up. I'll knock them down. My first fact this week is that Dua Lipa made it to the fourth round of the British National Spelling Bee. Oh, that's a fun fact. I don't know anything about the British National Spelling Bee. The fourth round might be like nothing. Well, the number of rounds is based on how well kids do, you know? Yeah, sure. But fourth round might be like she didn't make it out of her middle school. Oh, well, no, that's the national. She made it out of She's at the national level already. Okay, right, right. How old was she when she was in this national spelling bee? She was in eighth grade. Okay. Do you know any of the words that she needed to spell? I do. I know the word she lost on. Tell me the word that she lost on. 
Yeah, and then you're going to try to spell it. <laughs> I came with games too. <laughs> All right, we'll see how this goes. The word is Apajatora. No, okay. <laughs> uh... <laughs> Not even a shot? It starts with an A. It does. Okay, well, I guess I have to give it a shot. This is going to be embarrassing. Let's do it like it's an actual spelling bee. Your word is apajatora. Can you use it in a sentence, please? Yes. In this case, it is not an apajatora and should be played short. Apajatora. Can I have the language of origin? No. (laughs) (laughs) I should have known. Okay, all right, fine. Apajatora. A-P-O-G-A-T-O-R-A. Apajatora. That's what I thought. I mean, what's the what's the real way? A P P O G G I A T U R A. Double P double G. A bunch of other letters you didn't even say. That's right. Yeah. Okay. I didn't think I was <laughs> gonna get that one right, but okay. Good to know. Now listen. Now we've learned a new word. It's true. Word of the day with spinning. Other fun facts about this fact, or other fun bits of information about this fact, I should mm-hmm. say, is that Dua considers spelling her only other talent besides singing. And often when giving interviews, the interviewers will give her words to spell, and she usually gets them right. Oh, you're kidding. That's impressive. That's a weird other thing to consider your talent. I'm sure it's not her only other talent, though. Uh, I mean, probably not, but that's what she said, is that she doesn't feel like she's very talented, and so her only other talent would be spelling. All right. Well, with a name like Dua Lipa, I guess you learn how to spell. (laughs) Yeah, okay. I'm going to lock in that this one's true. I like the idea of it. She seems like the kind of person that would be good at spelling. Can a person seem like they'd be good at spelling? (laughs) I don't know, but she does. So you're locking in true. Yeah, I'm going to lock in true. We'll start off on a true foot. That fact was S-P-U-N spun. You got it wrong. Spun. Dang it. Yep. Really? Makes papers back, baby. Was any part of that true? Yeah, a good chunk of that was true. Um, She does consider spelling her only other talent, and the interviewers giving her words to spell is all true, but she did not make it to the fourth round of a British national spelling bee, as far as I am aware. Oh, so there was just no spelling bee. Well, I'm just glad that I didn't misjudge her as a good speller. That would have been embarrassing. Fun fact, the word apogitora is a word for embellishing musical note. Oh. Yeah, so if you'd asked for the definition, I'm, you might have got a little clue because of the word embellishing in there. All right, well, rough start, but I'm okay. Shake it off. Rough start. Up next, her favorite prank is the Pythagorean cup. The Pythagorean cup. Is that the cup that you can fill to a certain point with water, and then after you fill it past that, it'll start dripping out the bottom? Is that the? Am I thinking of the right thing? Uh, not only does it start dripping out the bottom, but it empties the cup. Uh, it empties the cup out the bottom. Yes. Okay, that's a weird favorite prank. Uh-huh. How often does she get to pull that one? Just when she's like hosting a party or whatever. Okay. Does she have a special Pythagorean cup? So it all got started when her favorite drink is red wine. So that's what she's always drinking. Okay, she, yeah. But her dad got her with that prank when she turned 18 and she fell in love with the joke. And so when she hosts her own party, she has a special one that is like bedazzled and all that and says the party chalice. And she gets them to try to fill it up and drink out of it. And then, you know, it spills everywhere and she gets a good laugh. Okay, that's a pretty good setup. I got to be honest. She said in an interview that the first time she got to use it, she was so excited. She didn't even think to move them off of the carpet and into the kitchen on the hardwood floor. And so she had a big mess to get out of her carpet. I was about to say to be a red wine drinker that empties a glass of red wine onto your carpet that's bold (laughs) she says a lot of times she does it outside or on decks now but that first time she wasn't really thinking she was just too excited i would be too that's hilarious no one sees that coming i would not expect that she's a big practical joker it's tricky this is a tricky fact i think this fact sounds true but is it 
Yeah, I think this is true. She does seem like the type that would get overly ambitious to pull off a really good joke. So she seems like the type of person who's good at spelling and the kind of person who gets overly ambitious to pull off a joke. You're really classifying who Dua Lipa is today. Well, just, I don't know. This is a fun <laughs> album. So you're going with True, though? Yeah, I think I'm going to go with True. All right. Well, the joke's on you. This one is spun again. Oh, my gosh. That was a good spin. Good spin. The thing about loving to drink red wine and liking comedies and things, that's true, but the rest of it's completely made up. Darn, you've got a lot of half-truths this time. That one's more like quarter truth. I saw the fact that said she liked red wine. I was like, what can I do with that? I know. I felt like I maybe took the bait a little too hard on that one. I think I maybe. Yeah. You wanted that one to be true. I did. I did. And I let that influence my decision sometimes. Whether I want something to be true influences how I think about it. We'll see if you do the same thing with this one because she once ate an entire sheet cake by herself. What flavor? Marble. How big? A standard size sheet cake. The occasion? Her 16th birthday. So why didn't anyone else help her? Why why was she the only person with the sheet cake on her 16th birthday? Is this a sad fact? <laughs> no, technically, she admits two pieces were eaten by her two best friends at the time. But the entire rest of it was her that she ate in an entire weekend. She didn't do it like in one sitting. Okay. All right. That's an important point of clarification. <laughs> her and her two best friends got the sheet cake and they each had a slice and then she ate the rest of it all in the rest of that weekend. Okay. I'm simultaneously relieved and less impressed. Yeah, yeah, I know. Two interesting notes that will make this maybe slightly weirder of a fact. One, the sheet cake was SpongeBob themed. Oh, okay. All right. And two, at the age of 15, she actually moved out of her parents' house to pursue her music career. So that's why she was celebrating her 16th birthday with her friends. Okay. Ugh, this is perplexing. I don't know. What made this cake so SpongeBob themed? Well, her apartment that she was staying in was like down the road from a bakery. And so that's where her and her friends just went to to see about getting the cake for her birthday. And when they got in there and they ordered the cake, the baker was like, yeah, we can do that for you, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then they said, do you want any sort of customization? And so they were like, what kind of customization? And they settled on SpongeBob. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. It was, it was kind of a spur of the moment, I think, silly decision amongst friends. To go with a SpongeBob theme. Okay, cake. cool. Um, I think I think you have too many details about this one. Do I? Okay, I know a lot of these other <laughs> facts that have been totally true have had a lot of details, but I feel like this one's just a little too fleshed out to be real, and I think you've made summer all of it up. Yeah, it's real fleshed out. I'm like, she for some reason went with SpongeBob, but yeah, you know, you know, maybe, or maybe it's just all the deep dive I did today because I couldn't you do a leap of fan. But if you're going with Spun, you're going with Spun. You're going to go I'm with going Spun? With, yeah, Spun. I think I'm locking this one in as a spin. You're locking that one in. You sure? Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, you better hope you get the next one because this one was, it was Spun. You got it. Oh, good. This one All was right. Spun. I purposely put a lot of details in this one, hoping that maybe you'd be like, there's no way it can't be true. He found all these details like you've done in the past. But this time you switched <laughs> it up on me. Yeah, like some of the earlier facts. Yeah. I know better now. I got one more for you, though. Let's see if you can get a second one. Go 50-50. Okay. 50-50 is not bad. That's respectable. Yep. She has the keys to a city, but may have lost it. Uh-oh. That's not good. Which city? Which city is at risk of being burgled? <laughs> the capital city of Kosovo, Pristina. I don't know if I pronounced that right, but that's how I went with it. So Yeah, okay. I like that fact a lot. So she got the key to the city. Uh-huh. 
What for? Did she get the key to the city like for her music career? Were they like, you're a great pop artist now. Please come accept our key. Because of the amount of community involvement she has. Oh. She and her father co-host and organize a music festival called Sunny Hill Festival in Kosovo. That's pretty cool. Has she ever played the festival herself? Yes. And she's even gotten big names to come, including Miley Cyrus. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that's key to the city worthy. How'd she lose it? Does she know when she lost it? Well, she was given the key in 2018, but here in a recent interview, she for some reason decided it would be fun to be hooked up to a lie detector test during the interview. Oh, what? Wait, wait. Yeah, yep. That's an unexpected (laughs) turn. Uh Uh-huh. And the interviewer asked if she still knew where the keys were. Weird question for the interviewer to ask, but they asked it. It sounds like this interviewer's got nefarious intentions. (laughs) Yeah, maybe they're a supervillain. Maybe the mixtaper needs to get in touch. I mean, I need to get in touch. I'm the mixtaper, totally. Yes. (laughs) Yes, yes. (laughs) So yeah, after a long pause, she said yes, but then the lie detector went off. Oh, so she was ratted out by a polygraph. She swore that they were on her bookshelf, but you know, the lie detector disagreed. So who knows? Maybe she lost it. Maybe she didn't. Ah, no, this is another fact where I totally can believe part of it. And the other half is really giving me trouble because I think I'm very much on board with the Kosovo in the music festival. She and her dad organizing things there and maybe even getting the key to the city. That all sounds very legitimate. And then you have to go and say things like the lie detector ratted her out. (laughs) I don't know what to do with that. Okay, I'm going to say this one is true. You're going with true. I'm going with a fact here. So you think the lie detector ratted her out, huh? No, I don't, but I don't think... (laughs) I, I think I'm better off to guess that it's true. Really? Yes. So you think I've gone with three spins and a truth? Yes. I. There's got to be one truth, right? All right. This fact is true. You got All right. it. 50-50. I'll take it. I'll take it any day of the week. I absolutely, after my roommate gave you all facts last week, I was like, I'm going to have to come in and balance that out with all spins this week. But then, you know, I came across this fact. It was too good not to include. I kind of forgot to mention the music festival, I believe, is like a charity. All the proceeds from it go directly back to the town. Oh, Good for her. Good for them. Yeah, so that's another part of the reason she got the keys. The mixtaper has a soft spot for charity, so I had to include that fact, even though I wanted to do all spins. Well, thanks. Thanks for another great Game of Factor spin. I'm anxious to see what you come up with next week. I got you twice. I think that's still pretty good. I'm batting 500, just about, for the entire run of the podcast so far. The actual statistics of the number you've gotten right and wrong are in the spreadsheet. Go check it out, everybody. Link in the description. Oh, yes. It's officially numerated how many times I've messed up on Factor Spin. That's great. I love that. It's not as high as I'd like it to be. Yet, there's still plenty of time. Connor's trying to pull the mic back from me over here, you know. Oh, oh, ah, ah. (laughs) Okay, settle down, you two. All right, I'm back. See, maybe part of the reason that I think you leave all the time is that you always say, I'm back. I was proud of you. Again, I was over here rooting for you. You know, I thought he almost got you there with the keys to the city one. You were really teetering back and forth. The keys to the city was close. I was on the verge of calling that one a spin. Yeah, um, I kind of started going crazy. I want to bring that up. Okay, yeah, thank you for bringing that up. This is a... What? So again, I didn't know who Dua Lipa was. I want to reiterate that. Uh-huh. Two weeks ago, had no idea. Listened to the album yesterday, you know, early evening. Sure. Immediately, you know, I went, I looked at the cover art. I was looking at that. Yeah. Dua Lipa showed up in things a bunch of times throughout the night. At one point, I went to watch an episode of a show on TV and there was a commercial. She's in a Truly's commercial. Yeah. 
And then I was just looking at a picture of the album art and a bunch of like articles started popping up along the side about her. I couldn't escape her the entire rest of the day. And then I went to work today and I come in and my coworker is sitting in our office listening to one of her songs. And I'm like, what is going on? <laughs> Incredible. Yeah, maybe you've been listening to Dua Lipa for a lot longer than you realize and you weren't awake to it until right now. And we will get to that into the uh, when we get into the songs, because one of the songs I did recognize and I about nearly pulled my hair out trying to figure out where it was from. Okay, I'm interested to hear about that. But for now, cover art. I think this is a really fitting cover for this album because it does simultaneously encapsulate futurism and nostalgia, I think, really well with this convertible and the space kind of thing. She's dressed in a futuristic way. I don't know. What's what's your thought? Yeah, I think that was absolutely what she was going for because it's got the like old timey car, like you said, and the space is kind of the final frontier. It's the future, you know. Mm-hmm. Actually, what I learned recently is that Dua Lipa collects cars. Really? Really cool classic cars and stuff. Yeah, so I believe this car that she's driving in the cover is one of those. I assume that this is supposed to be like in relation to the song Levitating. Based on the lyrics to that song, it would make sense that this is kind of supposed to be a depiction of that. Yeah, I think so. Again, kind of like the Casey Musgraves one. It's it's pretty simple and easy to kind of just look at. It nice it fits the album well, but there's not any kind of big metaphors going on like there was with The Stranger or things like that. There's not really a lot to dissect on this one. It's just a nice eye-catching cover art. I like it. That's very true. Now, I know you can't judge an album by its cover. Well, we just did. Yeah. <laughs> but judging by the cover of this album, it's going to be a good one. Now, when Dua was creating this album Album, she really wanted to go for like a live sound and so she wound up with this retro futuristic vibe she claims it feels like a dancer size class which i think checks out yeah it's very like fist pumpy you know like you feel like you want to just kind of like pump your fist along to the beat yeah it, this is their songs that are meant to be mosh pitted too mosh pitted yeah you know you want to be down on the floor of a concert just jumping up and down like that's really what it's meant for and that's definitely true with the first song yeah the first song is the title track future nostalgia i really like just the combination of words future nostalgia because it presents this paradox and they're also so fun to say back to back you know they've got a really good cadence a really nice fit i really enjoy the opening lyrics to this song Yeah, the song starts out with a really good beat and this bass line that is constantly rising throughout the verse. And the lyrics, they open up with, You want a timeless song, I want to change the game. Like modern architecture, John Lautner coming your way. I took an art class in college and John Lautner was a modernist architect who kind of paved the way into the postmodernist art style. Modernists were known for using, you know, very rational uh, materials and the less is more concept, whereas he would go big and flashy and kind of futuristic. So it kind of matched with the vibe. Yeah, I also looked up some of his stuff when I heard his name in this lyric, and he's pretty much the guy that's really responsible for that atomic age style. Think like mid-50s Cold War, like what you would think of when you think about what people in the past would think the future would be like. Yeah. So yeah, she starts with this verse that's really just a kick butt verse. It's the same sentiment that we found Kanye talking about a lot, expressed in a totally different way. This, I'm really good at what I do. It doesn't even sound really cocky. No, it's it's not bragging and it's not in your face. It's a little in your face. I mean, there's the line, my name's on the tip of your tongue, keep running your mouth. That's pretty in your face. No, yeah, that's <laughs> true, I guess. It's almost just more of a confidence thing. Like It's a confidence thing. Yeah, that's it. You know, she's confident in herself and she's letting you know that, but she's not like bragging or anything like that necessarily. 
Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. There's really great vocal harmony on that chorus. We talked about she's won several awards for her vocal performance on these records, and boy, oh boy, does it really shine in a lot of places here. It's just such a good beat, too, when you get to the chorus area. I love the music that's going on with this, and they kind of bounce back and forth. She says something, then the music kind of does a little thing, then she does something. They've kind of had this little bouncing back and forth going. Yeah, yeah, it's really good. Now, I have another very you-like observation here. Yeah? I, I said I was looking through the chorus, I was like, well, she writes about, you know, the name on the tip of your tongue. Keep running your mouth. You want the recipe. I think she was really hungry when she wrote this chorus. <laughs> you know, probably. I, I can get behind that. What do you think she was hungry for? Success. Grammys. No, I don't know. <laughs> success? <laughs> mm, give me a good old plate of success. Then she sings this really awesome line. No matter what you do, I'm going to get it without you. I know you ain't used to a female alpha. Good rhyme. It's a good gr- rhyme. Take notes, Kanye. Stop. <laughs> It's a great rhyme. It's a great rhyme. And I found a really good quote from her too. When she was talking about that line, she said, it's kind of like that whole breaking the gender norm of being a female alpha. There's so many connotations about women being sensitive and vulnerable, but who's to say that vulnerability doesn't actually make us stronger because we're so much better at talking about our feelings and emotions. Surely that's got to come with some kind of strength. Female alpha is something that's a very masculine term. To see it in a female perspective brings empowerment, end quote. I know I really like that subversion of our expectations and our prior associations with the term alpha. I really love the way that she's got that talk box that repeats future nostalgia back to her. And again, I think another example of her using her vocal range to great success is when she sings the female alphabet and she sings high up above it. And then she also sings the low end underneath it too. She's really got that full octave in scope and she puts it to work there. Yeah. I feel like we have to talk a little bit about the funky bridge, man. Okay, yep. That's yep. so good. It's it's basically just one chord. It's a D minor. And there's this little synth breakdown in the middle that is absolutely perfect. It's a little synth fill. The bridge is the part that goes, you can't get with this if you ain't built for this. I can build you up if you ain't tough enough. I can't teach a man how to wear his pants. That's just got such a good bass groove behind it. It's just really funky. And I love it. It's maybe my favorite part of the song. I don't know. Overall, I think it's just a fun song that sets up the album so well. It's simple in the chords and the lyrics, but there's enough going on with the these wild and crazy instruments. Yeah, it really sets the tone for what you're about to listen to. Yeah, it definitely keeps you hooked. And then it does a hard stop at the end too, which most of these songs do. And then we roll right into track number two, obviously the most awarded track from the record, Don't Start Now. But this is the most awarded track, really? Well, yeah, like we talked about, it won all the radio singles of the year and the... I wasn't paying attention when you were speaking. <laughs> at least you're honest. <laughs> It's a good song. I don't think it's my favorite. Um, It's up there for me, I think. I don't know. It's not my favorite. It is not my favorite, but it is close. It gives my favorite a run for its money. The, the chorus is really, really good in this. This is where I was getting at when I said I really like her vocal range. I really like the higher octave she takes when she gets into the if you don't want to see me dancing with somebody part as she gets into the chorus. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really like that higher octave range she takes. In the verse, we get this really hard bass line, and it's great, but she has this really lower-end vocal over top of it. Mm -hmm. I think that really sets it apart from the pre-chorus and the chorus, where she gets into the higher range, where it's just the piano and the synthesizer, and we get this big, like, sweeping sound it's in behind her on the pre-chorus. It feels like a really good build into the big chorus. A lot of these would make good instrumental songs for, like, a band to play. Yeah, definitely. The way her lyrics match up with the music, it's very easy to just take her lyrics and kind of transpose it to an instrument, but then keep everything else about like, it. Would, they, they would all sound really good in instrumental versions at like a football game. Yeah, no, I think I can get behind that. Not every artist 
can write a song that is good in that format. But I think you're right that almost all of these are. On this song specifically, you know, that chorus is a quick little don't show up and then there's a break and don't come out. Like that's a really easy thing to translate into a band with different sections. You know, that could just be one instrument that plays those three notes. And this song has a really cool little wood block in it. You can hear it a little bit there and it catches you off guard. Yeah, there's a couple songs that will have an instrument that kind of peeks its head up like, hello, I'm here. And you're like, oh, hello. Hello, (laughs) instrument. It's you. Didn't expect to see you here. Yeah, you're right. Later on in this song, there gets to be a a bit of guitar, and then a string section comes in, which is a repeated occurrence throughout this record that really makes the whole thing feel cohesive. You know, they were going for that live music feel, and the string section is one of the ways that they help bring that to fruition. Cool. Literally, that's the next one. Cool. I see what you did there. You're right. Yep. Oh yeah, it is. Anyway, cool. Track number three is, it's a Prince-inspired song, and I know a little bit of Prince, and I think that lines up pretty well with everything I know about the man. This feels like a Prince song. I mean, more than anything else on the record. Yeah, it's a good song, but it's towards the bottom. Um, I mean, there has to be a bottom. I'm not saying I didn't like it. Great song, but something has to fill the bottom slots, and this is in that direction, I think. Okay. And which is surprising, because it is a more melodic song, I feel like. I typically like lean towards those, but not this one. Yeah, that's fair. That's understandable. This song starts off with a synthesizer arpeggio that's got such a great pluckiness to it, and the vocals behind it, they do this aha thing that's got a really breathy quality that makes this whole verse kind of feel like dreamy. Yeah. Again, the chorus. I think she's really good at writing choruses. Very catchy choruses. The verses and stuff, uh, the more melodic sections were just kind of mad to me. But as soon as it hits that chorus where it kind of gets that staggered like bass beat going to it, Mm -hmm. I really enjoy that section. Yeah. I like this chorus a lot too because the run up into it is big. It doesn't feel like the chorus lands until after she says, got me losing all my cool. Yeah. Because that's when the drum kicks and that's when all the instruments start up is after that. So it gives the chorus this weird almost off the lyrics feel like they kind of play back and forth off of each other in that way it's almost like it's a run-up to the chorus right they she uses the first line of the chorus to kind of build it's intentionally done but it's like the music is lagging behind the chorus by a line yeah yeah but it's done intentionally in order to i think build it up because i think it's clever because the line that she uses to lead up to it has got me losing all my cool right and so she's already said the title of the song and then it drops and it's like she's lost her cool she's exploded it out of her right yeah this is probably the most metaphorical song on the record in the sense of like a direct analogy where she uses her own cool and the heat of the summer as like opposite forces it's a really nice chorus but then the chorus ends and the second verse starts and And the drums hang back again until halfway through the verse, which that almost is like the cool has come back for a minute. And then it gives it another chance to explode midway through the verse. Well, and it's because, again, she says she's losing her senses, right? And so then it all of a sudden explodes back out again. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, that's exactly where it happens. Also, I like in that where like the word appetite repeats itself. Kind of it's like appetite tight. Yeah, yeah. I know. I just said yeah twice. (laughs) I didn't mean to. (laughs) I think this song would be kind of easy to overdo, but they really handle it with such a delicate touch that I think suits it just right. There's just enough moving pieces and just enough subtlety to really carry it through to the end. I agree. They say it's a good song. It's just when compared to everything else on the album, it drops to the lower tier. I think it's still mid to high tier for me. We may actually have both really liked this album and then still have like the reversed rankings on this. I don't know. We'll we'll have to compare. I loved this album, as I said at the start, when I heavily endorsed it. So, you know, me saying the cool is towards the bottom, it still rates higher than I think every song on the Kanye West album. (laughs) 
Oh, does it really? I'm so surprised you didn't like that one. Yeah. So it's like when I say it was towards the bottom, that's not like a bad thing necessarily. There's just a lot to like on this album. Time to get physical. That's right. Track number four, Physical. This song is one big nod to the 80s, and it references and kind of interpolates, if you remember that from the Kanye episode, it references Olivia Newton-John's 1981 song of the same name. Oh. Where apparently they also chant, let's get physical, in the same kind of way that she does let's at the end of the chorus. Let's get physical. Yeah. This one is, is probably, it's so hard to pick up. You know, usually I say what my favorite is as we go. And I'll usually give like an honorable mention, maybe a third place. Yeah. I don't even know how to pick a top three in this one. I want to say that this one's in my top three, but I don't know. But that might just be for now. It might not be in the top three by the time we get to another song. Yeah. Musically, the song starts off fast paced, but not like in your face. Yeah, no, I think you're right because it starts just with a lower synthetic bass and then a high-pitched wail of this accent flute. And the contrast between those is really cool. But since it's just those two instruments, I think it's not as in your face. But there's definitely also that urgency to the beat. But it's driving. That tempo is driving. Yes, there's a ton of pulse to this one. I think just like Don't Stop Now, this is another fist pumpy song. This is another mosh pit type meant to be played live. Everything drops out for the pre-chorus on this one. That who needs to go to sleep when I got you next to me? Where there's nothing but that. And that is just the moment where you can feel everything culminating towards the chorus. And the chorus just comes in huge. All night I'll riot with you. I know you got my back and you know I got you. So come on. That call and response, come on, is really awesome. You you could just hear that being played for an audience that interactivity yeah honestly i didn't really pay too much attention to the words in this song i was so focused on the music in this one. it's easy actually to go through the entire album and not pay too much attention to the words and i think that's a feature of the music more than a downfall of it the words work so well to complement the music and the music also works so well to give you the emotion behind all the words that you really don't need them as much they end it with this really cool moment where they go fifth 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 physical like it repeats and i don't know that just is the right way to end the song i think that's the puzzle piece fitting together yeah i agree next is what i thought was probably gonna be the most popular song yeah this one's definitely popular this one got a re-release this is the one that i couldn't place i was going insane trying to place this song oh specifically the chorus yeah the chorus i got you moonlight you're my starlight i need you all night come on dance with me yeah did you ever figure it out I did, and it was again thanks to my coworker. That was this was the song he was listening to when I came in, and so I was like, "Where do I know this song from?" Uh huh. And it's used in TikTok videos. Apparently, the chorus from this song is very popular in like some TikTok videos. Oh yeah, all over the place. I have seen enough of the TikTok videos with this chorus that when it started playing, it triggered that memory. And I was like, I recognize this from something. And it was driving me insane. Yeah, yeah. TikTok is a new thing. Oh, but it doesn't take much to get this chorus stuck in your head because it's so good. No, again, it's another one that I want to put in my top three. Don't know if it'll stay there, but <laughs> yeah, you know. this is, I think, probably the easiest song to groove along to some of these like physical and hallucinate, whatever. They're real fist pumpers. This one feels like a real head bobber. Does that make any sense? Like it's not one that you would necessarily be jumping up and down with, but this is one that you just you can't help but move. No, I literally I, I definitely head bobbed while listening to this. I mean, it's just it's so natural, like the da 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 like you, you just bob along to that so easily. Yeah, oh, it's so easy. It's great. 
I love the way this song starts too. You talked about it wanting to sound like a live feel to it. It sounds very much like somebody's like put the needle down on like an old record player and it started like spinning and playing a song. I think it's a synthesizer that comes in and they've done some extra production work on it, but boy, it just is great. And you're right. It does sound like it's coming through the big speaker on a phonograph. You talked about the lyrics being able to just be passed by on a lot of these songs. I don't think this is one of those songs. I love the lyrics on this. The galaxy kind of metaphor going on throughout this song. I really enjoy the wordplay that she uses in here. I think there are a lot of songs that embody the nostalgia, both with their musical choices and their lyrics. This is a song that really feels like it embraces the future with the space themes and levitating, the Milky Way we're renegating, Moonlight Starlight. This feels very futuristic. One of my notes just says, yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) The chorus is another sequence of minor chords, but they almost have the opposite effect of what we've seen them used for before. In other sadder songs, the minor chord often brings things down, and and in this song, it just doesn't. It lifts you all the way up. Moonlight, Starlight, you're literally like flying through these minor chords. I'm just like, yeah, I'm levitating. Woo! And then she does this bridge, which is great. This bridge that she kind of raps mm-hmm. is inspired by Blondie. But then she does get to the end. And all these different sections, they collide. They mix up together all in one big melting pot at the end. And it's such a cool way to end the song. Can we move on to the next song? Yeah, pretty please. No, 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 no. no. You're supposed to say no. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't realize you were setting up a bit. <laughs> yeah, okay. Team me up again. Team me up one more time. <laughs> hey, can we move on to the next song? Yeah, sure. All right, all right, last time, last time. Uh, Hey, can we move on to the next song? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> right, this is terrible. Just somebody say the joke. Somebody okay, make the joke. Right. Can we move on to the next song? No. Pretty please? Okay, fine. See what I did there, oh, buddy? yeah, that's hilarious. That's so funny. You love it, audience. Um, we're, we're comedic geniuses oh my gosh. over here. Yeah, uh, Pretty Please, a fun fact about this one is they started with the title for this one and then wrote the rest of the song backwards. I kind of can tell. Yeah, I know. It feels like that. They used to wear pretty a lot. <laughs> I mean, um, no, just a normal amount for having it in the chorus. Uh, there's also the whole break section where they're just like pretty, pretty, pretty. Yeah, okay. Yeah, no, you got a point. And also, this one has a lot of chorus to it. Like, it's a good chunk of chorus in this one. There's only two verses. No, you're right. I think this is the smallest song on the album. Compared to all these big anthemic pop songs, this one feels much smaller to me. And I don't know what it is about it, but it just doesn't have that same energy. Yeah, this is another one that kind of ranks down there with the cool. Yeah, I disagreed with you on cool for the most part, but I think I agree with you on this one. good song. Again, it's got a very thumping bass beat to it, but... Yeah, I think part of it is that this one starts with just the vocal and then the bass is like, it's like there's a snap clap instead of something like heavy drums. Yeah. Those don't come in until the second verse almost. And this is another great example of the higher range in the pre-chorus. She really doesn't hesitate to venture up into the higher range. And I like that a lot. She's good at it. No doubt. I almost wish she did it more. I also like the clever little use of the triangle in this one. There's just a little ding after she sings ease. Yeah, that's another one of those instruments that just shows up. You're right. Another one that peeks in to say hello. Yeah, I noticed that one. Um, so up next, we got Hallucinate. Hallucinate was the point in the record where I started to notice that all of these songs kind of start in a very formulaic way. They all start with the same bass and beat. Really? Yeah. I don't think it's a problem. I mean, maybe it's more so on this one, but you can say that about a lot of albums. No, I know. I don't think it's a bad thing, but it's just something that you notice when you take all of these in in quick succession. Now, this is more in the vein of house music in the way that it's constructed. She calls it her festival song. Yeah, I got less of an 80s vibe. No, this one feels way more modern. Not totally modern, but just more in that vein. Yeah. 
She goes through the first verse in typical Dua Lipa bass groove fashion, and then we hit the pre-chorus, and it gets all washed out, which I think is awesome. I couldn't live without your touch. No, I could never have too much. Just the background behind her during that part is so awesome. It's like a wall of sound. I like it. What I don't like, though, is once we hit the chorus and she starts saying my, my, my mind a whole bunch. That was the one that got you? A little too repetitive there? It was a little too much. I'm ready for it to move on and continue with the song. And then she comes back in with another my, my, my mind. And it's like, all right, no, come on, move on. I don't, I don't <laughs> mind it the first couple times. Yeah, that's fair. One thing I noticed about this song, too, is unlike a lot of the other songs where a lot of her words are short and cut off quickly, this one, she gives herself a little room to breathe. Some of these phrases hold out. Got stars in my... You know, it holds out longer, and she gets the chance to show off her vibrato, which is something we haven't seen much of, and it's nice. I like how the song ends. Yeah, yeah. She really goes to town on the last Make Me Lose My Mind. She really, like, yells it, and I love that. And then we get this nice last chorus. And I just like how it cuts off at the end. It just goes, got stars in my, and then just nothing. It feels really big. It feels like a proper culmination of everything. Again, that's a frequent thing. That's the thing that she does so many times on this album. I kind of like it. Now, I think of all the tracks on the record, this next one leans the heaviest into the nostalgia part of future nostalgia. It samples My Woman, a 1932 Bing Crosby song. It starts again very old-timey sounding, too. Yeah, that's exactly... I mean, it's that 1932 record that's playing. That's why it sounds old-timey, is because it literally is. But then there's the cool synthesizer thing that kicks in after about, what, like around the 30-second mark? The ba-ba-da-ba-da that kicks in. Yeah, yeah, right before she starts singing it. It, again, has that same, like, production sound to it that makes it sound like it's coming out of an old record player until she comes in. Yeah, this is another really common like sequence of chords that happens a lot. And it's another pattern that really relies on the D minor. I think that's like her bread and butter key, almost, is to play around the D minor a lot. There's not a ton of melodic movement in the verse. I think in her lyrics there are. Oh, yeah, lyrically. It's that same thing you were talking about in the last one. She's drawing out her in love again. Like, she's drawing out her words a lot more. She's allowing the music to be the driving beat, and she's taking her time with what she's singing. And in this case, I like it way more than I did in the last song. Yeah, I think it works way better here than it does in the other. There's a section at the end of the chorus, and it's actually just a guitar, which is, I think, the only time on this entire record that there is just a guitar playing. It caught me off guard. I like it, but I almost just wanted more from it, you know what I mean? She's doing that thing again where teases you with something like, oh, I like that, and then she takes it away. Yeah, the scarcity of it is what makes it valuable. I don't know. I think the real draw of this song is just in the lyrics, in the melody behind the lyrics, you got me in love again. Yeah, that descending bit. I think that's really where the appeal is. And I don't know. Unlike a lot of what we saw on My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, where he picks out samples that fit his songs, this one feels like it was built around the sample. Like they had the sample and said, let's turn this into a Dua Lipa song. And I don't think it works out as well for me on this one. Again, still a pretty good song. I think where you're saying cool would be still in like your mid tier. Mm -hmm. And you're probably saying this one, right, is in your bottom tier. I would put this one lower, yeah. I think I would flip that. I think you're, you and I are flipped on this song in Cool. Yeah, I think that sounds right. I would have Love Again in my middle tier and Cool in my bottom. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what. Hearing that just breaks my heart. Oh, don't go breaking my heart. Nope, different yeah, song. Different oh, song. Oh. The one I'm talking about is track number nine, <laughs> Break My Heart. <laughs> now, Dua Lipa is one of seven co-writers on this song. It took seven people to write Break My Heart. This one starts off really small with the bass, but it's so melodic. This is the one, I think, where the vocal really follows the instruments a lot. It started out, and it reminded me of another one, Bites the Dust. Thump, 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 that was going. 
Yeah, okay, I can hear that. I can see where you would, yeah, connect those two. It's really just a thump, thump, thump. As soon as they get into the ba ba da ba da ba da you realize it's kind of its own thing. I think you're right. The rhythm, the tempo, and the beat going on there, it starts off, it reminds me a lot. I like the piano on the pre-chorus a lot. Center of attention, you know, you can get whatever you want from me. The piano that comes in is top-notch, and her vocals have such this big, huge reverb on them. I think that really gives her a lot of sound quality on this track. And this is one of those songs I mentioned earlier where she sings along with the music, too. Yeah, especially on the chorus. I would have stayed at home. I would have stayed at home, because I was doing better alone. Yeah, you sure you only listened to this one once? Usually when you try and sing a part of a song, you mess it up. But that one was spot on. Listen, I really enjoyed it. I paid attention. Yeah, you didn't zone out during any of this one. (laughs) I didn't zone out during any of these songs, all right? It's hard to because they're so, they pull you right in. I guarantee you, before I go to bed tonight, I will be listening to this album again. As you should. I've been waiting all day. That's why you were pressuring <laughs> me so much to finish eating dinner so we could record. You were like, come on, come on, come on. Yes, I was. I was like, come on, let's record. <laughs> I got to listen to it again. Not counting Billy Joel. Heck, even counting Billy Joel, it's like tied for my favorite. I don't know. It's It's up there. It's up there. Wow. Really up there. I'm actually really pretty happy with myself then for bringing this one your way. This one was a lot of fun to listen to. Now, this is a song I know on Kanye. You talked a lot about songs that wouldn't ever end. This song has a fake ending. Did it get you? It did get me. And at first I was angry about it. You don't like to be bamboozled. (laughs) And then I decided, you know, it was like coming back for a second. Yeah. Another demon hot plate of break my heart. (laughs) <laughs> another steaming hot plate of break my heart what oh, oh my gosh we're already on track 10 track 10 is good in bed well not it the song isn't good in, the title is good in bed all right now you're making jokes like me again i know you know normally i pick a top three favorites i'm having a really hard time with that so i guess i'm picking a bottom three i've named two of them this would be number three this would be my other bottom three this is round out your bottom three okay it's a different feel than the rest of the album in a lot of ways it started so promising is i think part of the problem i really liked how it started yeah it's got this wobbly honky-tonk type sounding piano there's just a really nice texture to it you know what i mean what part did you lose like what part did it start to slip for you you were with it at the intro what point does it get to be like "Eh, okay i'm out well i know i still like the music going behind it i don't like i don't like the vocals she's put on top of the music the music is still pretty good i think that's a a valid criticism when you get to the bad 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 head 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 that part kind of synced up well with what was playing and i was okay with that but the rest of it was kind of like yeah you could have done better i couldn't have but maybe you could have right (laughs) see she does she kind of half sings half speaks these verse lines yeah and i just don't think that's a great move for her when she can sing so well and the chorus you're right the chorus is another place where we use those chromatic walk downs great you know the same kind of half step thing that we talked about with nirvana she does five times in a row here it just starts bringing you down and i don't know i think by the time it gets to the last time it does that though i'm over it by then no you're right i think the the walk down thing isn't a one trick pony but it's only a few trick pony the pony runs out of tricks here (laughs) it runs out of tricks at about five she wastes all five of them on the first chorus and at that point i'm done with it okay well all right (laughs) dua lipa's five trick pony that's it that's this song I don't know. I do kind of like the way that she bounces around on the pre-choruses, though. I've been thinking it'd be better if we didn't know each other. I really like the way that she kind of jumps from higher to lower. 
on those. But I think, yeah, okay. If you're going to say that this one's one of your bottom three, I don't have as much of a problem with that as I have about some of your other placements. And yeah, that pretty much ends like that. Just this quick, catchy little song about intimacy in a relationship and how the relationship suffers, you know. And here I thought the song Good in Bed was going to be about how good it is to have like breakfast in bed or something. Breakfast? You thought you thought Good in Bed was going to be a song about <laughs> breakfast? Yeah, I was singing about all the things she likes to wake up to and pancakes. A little bit of toast, 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 toast. I'm actually sad that we're on the last track already. It's been a whirlwind. This one's been a quick episode. This has been a quick episode, but a fun little note about Boys Will Be Boys. You know, a lot of these albums that we've done have had like at least one song that kind of got me. I wasn't expecting. Yeah. And I thought I was about to make it through Future Nostalgia without that happening. And then got me with the last one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, the concept behind what the song is about, boys will be boys, but girls will be women. Uh-huh. See that twist coming? That was good. Yeah, I know. She sneaks it in on you. When she first sings that in the chorus and she brings out the line, uh, but girls will be women for the first time, I was like, oh, okay. She drops the bomb and you went, whoa. My mouth hung open and all the toast, 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 toast fell out. What? <laughs> this is the one that's the most string heavy and probably the least quote unquote pop song on the album in that it's not like the same kind of top 40 pop that we've seen the whole way through. This is different. And what a scathing track lyrically. I know we didn't talk about too many of the other lyrics and kind of said that they speak for themselves. This one, it's impossible not to because she really throws it right at you. And it's that same won't take no crap from nobody attitude that kind of happens in future nostalgia with the female alpha. I think it's heaviest in the bridge too when she starts saying it. If you're offended by this song, you're clearly doing something wrong. Absolutely. <laughs> because you know, people that were listening to this song up until that point were like, this is so, like, she knows that people are thinking that as they listen. Yeah, she, and she just shuts it down right there in the song. It's so clever. It's really good. As good as it is, I don't think I like it as the end to the album. Well, lucky for me, it wasn't the end of the it wasn't the end for you. Yeah, right. For me, this is the last thing that I heard, and it almost was like a mirror of the rest of the songs that just all have an abrupt stop. It kind of felt like the whole album abruptly stopped when I got to the end of this one. That's fair. And it just needs a little something after it. Like, even if it's just a future nostalgia reprise or something like that, I don't know. I do like this song a lot. I just don't know if it's the right one to be the final track. So, so time for the final spin, where we give our final scores, our favorite songs, you know, just wrap things up. Let's talk about favorite song. You've got three. Do you want to narrow it down to one? I know you're apparently such a hardcore Dua Lipa fan now. Listen, I'm going to be president of the Spin It Dua Lipa fan club. <laughs> okay, sounds good. <laughs> so you are refusing to pick a top song. Correct. Give us one more time your top three. Let's see. Top three. Future Nostalgia. Don't Start Now. Physical. Levitating. Pretty Please. You can't name. Stop. No, no, no. You can't name all of them as your top three. (laughs) Fine, fine. Future Nostalgia. Levitating. And Fever. Yeah, I will let you count Fever. Okay, solid top three. I think I do have a favorite song, and I think it's Levitating. I really have always kind of honed in on Levitating. The TikTok memes got to you. I really don't think it was that. I'm probably on TikTok even (laughs) less than you are. I just like Levitating a lot. I think it's got a good groove. It's got really catchy lyrics, and it's also so relevant to the album cover. It just feels like an integral part of this record, and I think the record loses more without this track than without any other track. You know what I mean? I think this adds the most to the record by itself. I think if you tie me down and said i could never have breakfast in bed again until i picked the favorite song it would probably i'd go with levitating okay that's a really weird way to just say that that would be your favorite pick if you had to pick one but okay (laughs) 
I'm just really nervous to hear your scores. Scoring the album. For those of you who don't know, I've got four different weighted categories, each out of 100, each weighted different amounts according to their importance, kind of. And I give everything four scores in those, and they get a weighted score at the end. And the weighted final score determines the rating. Let's talk about music first. I love the music on this album. Like we talked about, the choruses are really catchy, really hooky, really good. A lot of the chords that she uses are interesting and unique. They really propel the song forward, and the bass grooves are phenomenal. But I think that might belong more to the instruments part. There are a lot of the musical parts that kind of fall a little short for me. Really? Well, just a little bit. Like some of these sections where she does the half speaking, half singing. You know, some of the parts got a little repetitive or old. Like the parts you talked about in Good in Bed. I don't know. For the most part, the music holds up pretty well. There's just an occasional moment that sets it back a little ways for me. I'm giving music an 86. An 86? Yes. You literally said you couldn't stop head bobbing to most of these songs and you gave it an 86? Yeah, that's high. That's almost 90. That's almost 90. You were giving Kanye West 90s and you gave this an 86? I did not give Kanye an 86 in music. I don't remember. I know know Kanye got some 90s somewhere. In production? Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. Are we good? I'm going to move on. We're not good, but let's move on. Okay. All right. Lyrically, I don't know. Lyrically, this is probably where this is the weakest. Yeah, there are things that I like and I don't like about the straightforwardness of this album. You know, like we talked about, a lot of the lyrics don't need to be explained because they're pretty self-explanatory. And I think it works well in the context of the album, but in the context of all albums, which is kind of, you know, how I rank everything, just comparatively based on what I've listened to, I don't know if it's necessarily top line lyrics lyrics i gave a 78 <laughs> almost an 80 you sound physically in pain sorry that, that was that was my heart oh no breaking my heart with these scores i'm i'm terribly sorry i guess compared to your 86 in music it makes sense like relatively but you know i disagree with the 86 in music so i really think <laughs> it all needs shifted up but it's scaled appropriately relative to music it's scaled appropriately but the the number itself is breaking my heart I don't know if I'll ever love again. It's okay. Uh, someone will come along. You, you'll be like, you'll be like Dua Lipa. Don't start now. No, that's the opera. Oh. Being very cool. All right, stop. You're just saying song titles. <laughs> just saying titles. Pretty please stop. Listen, boys will be boys. All right. Production was a tough one for me. I think the production works really well in a lot of places, but it just, like I mentioned, somewhere around Hallucinate, it started to get formulaic in terms of the way that songs would start and end. For the better. For the better, I think all of the songs are good. I just, production for me was somewhere around the 83 range. I disagree. I disagree with that. I don't think it was necessarily as well produced as some of the other albums we've listened to, you know. Like, she does that sample, but it doesn't feel as natural as the ones that Kanye put in, maybe. I think Kanye went sample crazy. He did. He absolutely did. He'd hear something, and he couldn't not put it in his album. That's true. It was all over the place. She chose what she wanted to sample very, I think, methodically. She found things that fit the tone of the album and worked really well. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Gave it an 83. I'm giving production an 83. And uh, for overall vibe, I think at the end of the day, she clearly had a vision for this record, and she executes it really consistently. You know, love it or hate it, whether you think it works or not, this is exactly the kind of album that she wanted to put together. Like, this really is the retro future dancer size class that she had in mind from even before she released her first album. So execution is phenomenal. I don't know, it's just a really positive, fun record that tackles love and feminism and intimacy in a lighthearted way. Even like the sad 
saddest moments in these songs have this backhanded cheerfulness. It's just fun, I think, to listen to. I also gave Vibe, like music, an N86, almost a 90. You know, I we talked about several times how we were eventually going to differ. I never would have thought it would have been on something that the scores are going to come out to be actually fairly close. Uh, I'm still disgusted by yours for some reason. I think I know what the reason is. I think you're a big Dua Lipa fan now. <laughs> I've inadvertently converted you into a zealot. <laughs> What's the, what do the squirrels say your final score? Can I bribe them to raise it? I don't know. That'd be nuts. I took my scores to the squirrels, and they told me my final weighted score was an 84.3. Disgusting. That lands it at number 159 overall. 159? On my list right now. now, that's a, res- there's a, it's a respectable 159. You have like 300 of them. That means it ranks at dead middle. I'm close to 375 or 400. It's not dead middle. Pretty darn close to middle. I like this album a lot. It ranks below Kanye's? It does. Kanye only had production going for him. In a lot of ways, yeah. <laughs> that's all he had. This ranks below that? I'm, I'm heartbroken. <laughs> I like this album a lot. I'm going to write a strongly worded letter to you. <laughs> uh, well, listen, I like this album a lot. And I think in terms of re-listenability, this is one that I'm going to come back to far more often than My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy or a lot of the other ones up above the list. And you gave it an 84.3. That's where I land. 84.3. I mean, that's higher than in my head it was going to work out to be. I understand it was just kind of like a weighted average. But in my head, I kept hearing these numbers and I was disgusted with them. And I was like, he's going to get this like a 50 overall. My 86, 78, 83, 86 was going to somehow end up in a 50. <laughs> I was just so irrational. Your rage has blinded you. <laughs> Maybe I'm just hangry. Well, that's me. What about you? Where are you sitting on this one? I am reserving the perfect score for something really meaningful. And I really don't even know if I'll ever find something that gets the perfect score. Okay, yeah. But like I said, this album, I think this was my favorite one because like Billy Joel, I knew all the songs, right? I, I was a big Billy Joel fan ahead of time. Yeah. And so listening to the album was just like a fun trip through the Billy Joel stuff I like to listen to. Yeah. But this, I knew none of these songs going into it, and I've come out of it loving just about every single one of them. But I think I can say that this has been my favorite one we've done. Awesome. And so, like Billy Joel, I'm giving it a 9. I understand that 9 is not too far off from your score, but I'm still disgusted by your score. (laughs) But I liked it so much, I'm not going to give it a silly unit. Just, it's going to be a 9. Wow, really? I think it's a straight 9. Is that allowed? (laughs) I don't know if it's allowed. Reset the rules. Uh, If I have to give it a unit, it would be... It was so good. I'm going to give it nine keys to the city out of ten because it holds the key to my heart. Oh, nine keys to the Connor. Yep, the city of Connor. What would be my city? What would be my city name? I don't know. Connor? City? Connopolis. Nine keys to Connor City. You didn't like Connopolis? (laughs) Sure, sure. (laughs) Why not? It's your city. Name it whatever you want. Just give Dua Lipa nine keys to it and make sure she doesn't lose them. Yeah, Dua Lipa, I I don't know where to send them, but I'm going to send you nine keys and they're to my city, all right? Cherish them. Don't (laughs) lose them. I'm going to hook you up to a lie detector someday. Well, uh, I think that about does it. As you heard here on the final spin, our scores are 84.3 and a nine, almost 10 out of 10. This is the first time we've flipped, I think. And I was higher? Yeah, and had my ranking be lower than yours. Yeah. I think you're right. That's crazy. It's just the first of many. Well, thank you all for listening. Thanks for checking out this album, checking out this podcast. We really appreciate it. We've got socials. We've got Twitter, at SpinItPod, Instagram, at SpinItPodOfficial. It's a good time. Leave comments on social media or YouTube if you have album suggestions. We'd love to get some album suggestions. And if you just have anything to say at all, we've had a couple comments and it's been fun interacting. Yeah, we've had people throw fun facts our way after podcasts, telling us more things that we didn't get to talk about, about the albums and the artists. So keep it up. I love it. Keep spinning. Oh. (laughs) 
<laughs> I wasn't. I mean, sure. Sorry, I'm just really trying to end it. I'm just really trying to end it because I want to go listen. Okay, yeah, that's fair. That makes sense. <laughs> if you're in such a hurry, I won't even bother texting the writing department this week. Everybody out there, have a great weekend. Keep on spinning. Keep Until spinning. next time. <laughs>